0: I wanna be Good morning. Welcome to River Rock Bible Church. We're so glad that you guys are here this morning. If you're joining us for the first time or for the first time in a long time, we are in the middle of a series walking through the book of Titus. And so far, it's been a great series. I've enjoyed it. I hope you've enjoyed it as well. If you haven't been with us, you can always go back and catch up online at riverrockbible.com. But this morning, we come to... it's the passage right before one of my favorite passages, and it really leads right into chapter 3. We're at the very end of Titus chapter 2. And this morning, this, the topic that we're going to cover in this passage is is a pretty big topic. And it's, it's, uh, it, it's, it's massive. It's huge. Let me ask, how many of you have, have had the pleasure of going to SeaWorld? How many of you in here? Show your hands. SeaWorld, yeah. yeah. One of my favorite exhibits is always Shamu, right? When you go to Sea World, you go to see Shamu. Uh, we see all of these animals—animals animals that are way smarter than we are—that can do all sorts of things. Uh, well, this morning's topic is is a Shamu-sized topic. Uh, Shamu's about twenty feet long, weighs weighs a couple tons, I guess. Uh, I don't know exactly how much he weighs, but he's huge. And, and you can see here. You know, the trainer comes, and, and at the end of the show, he, he tries to hug Shamu. He tries to get, to get his arms around Shamu. Well, this morning, the topic that we're going to try to get our arms around is so big that, that there's no way we can get our arms around it, and, and that topic is God's grace. And we're going to talk about God's grace this morning as we look at Titus chapter 2, and we're going to try to understand. We're going to try to get our arms around it, but I think it's one of those things that, that we'll just never be able to fully grasp, the depth and the height and the width and the breadth of God's love, this side of heaven. It's just one of those things that, that, that theologically we know it's there, and practically we experience it regularly, but it's one of those things that to, to fully understand it, I, I don't know that this side of heaven, uh, we're going to understand it. Uh, towards the end of the book of Acts, uh, Dr. Luke records about the Apostle Paul, he's, he's saying goodbye to some elders in one of the areas where he's done ministry, and this is what Paul reminds them about grace. Um, he says this in Acts 20, verse 32, he says, "...and now I commit, to you and to, uh, commit you to God and to the message of His grace, which is able to build you up and to give you inheritance among all who are sanctified." So we see here, Paul says that that it's God's grace that builds us up. It gives us an inheritance. It it sanctifies us. It purifies us. uh, For for the believer, it transforms us. Uh, We know that God's grace is huge, and Paul wants us to understand the height and the depth and the breadth of God's love. And so as we turn to Titus chapter 2, we're going to actually start at the end of this passage, looking at verse 15, and then we're going to go back and we're going to look at some things. So let's start together. Titus chapter 2 verse 15 down there at the bottom. Paul tells Titus, a young man, he's been talking to him about about appointing elders, about putting order into the church, about uh, the way things are supposed to run in the family, instructions for older men, older women, younger men, younger women, slaves, and masters. And then he says this, say these things and encourage and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Paul says, look, You're to go out and you're to teach these things, and I want you to encourage. I want you to encourage the people with these things. Now, the word that's used there to encourage is the Greek word parakaleo. It's the same word that, in context, is often used for the Holy Spirit. And it simply means para, uh, uh, along, and kaleo, to call out, right, Or, or to come alongside. And so he's saying, look, call these things out. Come alongside of them and teach these things. And and, and then he goes on and he says, uh, come alongside of them and do what? He says, and and what? What does it say? Come alongside and you can talk in church. It's okay. Encourage and rebuke. Now, most of us, when we hear the word rebuke, we think it's a bad thing. Uh, But the word rebuke simply means to bring to light. To bring to light. And Paul says, I want you to bring to light these things. And that's exactly what we're going to do this morning. We're, we're going to pray that God's grace, is, God's Holy Spirit is going to come alongside of us and bring to light the reality of his grace in our lives. And, and I, I, I don't always do this, but I'd love for us to just start with prayer this morning. Father, um, we ask that as we come before you, that you would just shine this massive spotlight on your grace in our lives. Lord, although we can't fully comprehend it, uh, I pray that you would give us a deeper understanding. And Lord, that that understanding would lead to action and and to applying your grace into our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, This morning is an interactive sermon. Most of them usually are. It's okay to talk in church. We like it when you talk in church. But this morning, there's one answer. Right, There's one answer, and it's not the Sunday school answer, Jesus, but there's one answer. Whenever I ask you a question, you're going to say, it's grace. So I'm going to say, how did you get here this morning? It's grace, it's grace all right? Uh, it, it's grace. Uh, you, 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 you want to know the answer for this morning. The answer is? It's grace. It's grace. Every answer. Every time I ask you a question, the answer is? It's grace. It's grace, all right? So we're going we're gonna to hop in one car this morning, and we're going to drive that grace car all morning long. Uh, so look with me back up at Tim uh, Titus tap, chapter 2, beginning in verse 11. It says, for the... Come on, are you guys awake? Did we not make the coffee strong enough? For the grace of God appeared with salvation for all people. Let's stop there. Uh, that word appeared is the word that we get our English word epiphany from. Anybody ever had an epiphany? It's this thing like it just suddenly comes on you. It's, this, this, I, this, it's just a sudden awareness. For me, every once in a while when I'm eating baked goods like chocolate chip cookies, I get an epiphany because so I'm eating the chocolate chip cookie and oh, it's so good and all of a sudden there's a nut. And it's like, oh, what is this doing in here, right? It doesn't belong there. I get this little epiphany. Uh, some of you ladies out there, you were, you were spending time with your husbands before you were dating. And you're like, man, this guy, he's so weird. He's such a creep. And then wake, one day you wake up, you're like, you know what? He's not a creep. He's a great guy. I think I want to marry him, right? You have this epiphany. And so God, if Paul says God's grace has appeared to us. It, it, it sneaks up on us. And sometimes we get surprised by God's grace. In those moments of despair, I, I, I know you've been there. In those moments where you don't know what's going to happen next, where, where you find yourself wondering, where am I even going with my life? All of a sudden, God's grace sneaks up on you, and you find it. It appears to us. Uh, it's here, and we just find ourselves wondering, uh, how, how did this get here? How did this show up in my life? And the answer is, it's grace. It's grace. It's grace. It's God's grace. Now, I want to encourage you this morning as believers, um, as River Rock Bible Church, don't, don't ever come untethered from God's grace. Uh, we know that, that that God never moves, that he's always there, and so when we find ourselves untethered from God's grace, it's, it's us who are the ones that have moved. Um, don't ever allow yourself to come untethered from God's grace. The greatest thing that will happen in your lifetime is not anything that you will accomplish. Greatest thing that will happen in your lifetime is what Jesus Christ has already accomplished. Amen? Amen. Um, so so what is grace? We talk about grace and we wonder what is grace. Uh, we all know the Sunday school answer, right? If you've gone to church for any amount of time, you know that grace is simply unmerited favor. It's when God gives you something that you don't deserve. Uh, that's That's grace. Um, Sometimes we think about uh, it's not like a paycheck, right? We don't earn it. You earn a paycheck. How many of you on Friday when you got your paycheck walked out of there and you're like, "Oh, boss, you are so gracious. Thank you. I don't deserve this." No, you you walk in the office and you're like, "Where's my paycheck? Give me my paycheck. I've earned it. Give me my paycheck. I want it." Grace is not like that. We don't earn God's grace. He gives it to us without us having to earn it. We talk about grace often. Uh, we say grace at the dinner table. Some of you maybe have attended a church called Grace, or your kids go to a church called Grace. Maybe you even named your daughter Grace. Um, there's all sorts of grace that we can talk about. Um, uh, this past week, my wife opened up uh, opened up a book that she hadn't read in quite a while. She opened it up, and there's a twenty dollar bill inside. Right? How did that happen? No, it's just a $20 bill. Uh, no, no, it's, it's grace, right? You put your winter coat on and you find money from last year. You're like, oh, man, this is awesome. And, and that's by God's grace. Uh, all these things that happen, y- you find a close parking spot at the mall, and you think, oh, it's God's grace, right? You, you, you find your, 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 you got a brand-new baby girl, right? She's three months old. Moms, you wake up, it's 9 o'clock in the morning, you like, <gasps> The baby didn't wake up last night. Is the baby okay? Did she stop breathing? Is she alive? Did she sneak out of the house? And you go in there and she's lying there in her crib and she's still asleep. Why is that? It's grace. grace. It's God's grace. In many ways, we all get to experience God's prevenient, God's common grace to all of us. And let me just say this. I am blessed to be the lead pastor here at River Rock Bible Church because I look out and and I see friends, I see neighbors, um, I see people that have been with us from the very beginning. Um, I see people that I've gotten to know, and I don't know everybody really, really well, but I look out at this crowd, and and I see that I get to pastor, I get to shepherd my friends, people that I call friends, and why is that? It's grace. It's one of God's graces to me, is that, that he allows me to do what I do. I get to wake up every single day, and I think, I can't imagine doing anything else with my life. I can't imagine anything better than what I get to do today. Are there hard days? Absolutely but most days, uh, almost every day I wake up, and, and even in the hard days, I find myself thinking, you know what, this is, this is better uh, than anything else I could imagine doing. I love it. And it's, it's by God's grace that I get to do what he asks, asks me to do. Uh, we want to answer one question this morning from the scripture. And, and that question is, what does grace do? What does grace do? There are many aspects of grace, and and there's no way we could fully grab and take hold of uh, everything that the Bible has to say about God's grace, but we want to ask the question this morning, what does God's grace do? And we're going to see in this section, there's four things that God's grace does and if you don't know me that well, I was raised Southern Baptist, right? I'm recovering, like many of you, uh, recovering Baptist. And so my my Southern Baptist preacher is going to come out a little bit this morning, and we're going to have four points, and they're all going to start with the letter R, all right? And that's going to help us remember. Uh, so a little alliteration this morning, four things that grace does. The first thing that we see that grace does is that grace rescues, grace rescues. Paul says, for the, grace. come on, keep up with me, for the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people. Salvation. He saves us. He rescues us. Uh, We know that that what does grace look like? What does it look like for grace to come in human form? Let me tell you, grace came in human form. God in a bod, babe of Bethlehem, over 2,000 years ago, he came and he walked the earth and he showed us what grace does. And grace is Everything that grace does, grace is in the business of saving. It was grace that stood in the middle of the religious elite as they were about to stone a woman to death and said, that, let, who, let the one of you who is without sin cast the first stone. It was grace that, that sat at a hot, dusty Samaritan well with a woman of ill repute and said, uh, you've come here to get a drink of water. Let me give you living water that you would never thirst again. And he changed her life. Grace, Jesus Christ, is in the business of rescuing, of saving. You want to know how grace thinks? You want to know how grace acts? You want to know what grace does? Just turn to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and start reading and you will read what grace does. Uh, in fact, it's the gospel of Luke records Jesus' mission statement. And, and let me tell you this. If you're here this morning, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you ought to have a mission statement. You ought to have a reason that you suck air on this earth. Okay? Mine comes from 2 Timothy chapter 4. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Jumping down the bottom, he says, do the work of an evangelist. Right? My life is about the gospel and fulfill Fulfill uh, your ministries. Fulfill the duty of your ministries. That is, that is my life verse. I, I, I hope you have one. I hope you have a reason for being on this earth. That's what God has called me to do. But in Luke chapter 19, Jesus says this. Jesus says, Luke chapter 19, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. There's something about Jesus. There's something about God's grace incarnate that... That his whole life is about rescuing. His whole life is about seeking and saving that which is lost. If Jesus were alive today and he had a real job, I imagine he would work in a department store in the Lost and Found. That's where you'd find him. He, he would be out there uh, seeking and saving that which is lost. That's, that's what he's about, that's what grace does. It's the nature and the action of grace. And if you want to extend na- uh, grace to your brother or sister, to a neighbor, to a friend, to a coworker, worker uh, sometimes the greatest thing you can do is to rescue them is to rescue them. Now, now, rescue, a lot of us, that may mean sharing the gospel of salvation with them, that they would come to understand God's grace, that, that Jesus Christ, God incarnate, came to earth, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sins, pay, perfectly paying the penalty, and on the third day, God raised him from the dead, and that's simply by believing in that, their sin is forgiven. They don't have to earn it. It's by grace. It's by grace, And that may mean what it means to rescue them. For others, it's it's pulling them back from the ledge. You see, there are people in our lives who are just walking along the edge of the Grand Canyon. And what they need is they need someone to come alongside of them and to pull them back and say, don't go there, don't go there. You're walking too close to the edge. And they need someone to enter into their lives and to rescue them by pulling them back and saying, hey, hey, you've got to stop. You've, you, you've, got to, you've got to come back from the ledge, right? Third eye blind. Wish you would step back from that ledge, my friend, right? How many of you remember that song? I was in high school, right? We've got to pull them back from the ledge, and sometimes that's what it means to, to rescue, to rescue. Um, let's, let's go on, looking at verse 11. He says this. He says, for the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people. Salvation for Who? all people. Everybody say all. 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 Now, some of you who are Calvinists in here, or you like Calvin's writings, right? You're freaking out right now, but you're like, oh, 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 it says all. I don't know what to do with this. Where's the whiteout? How do I take this out? Oh, no. And, and, and you're so wrapped up in, in your theology. You got to be careful now. You got to be careful. Now, now notice uh, people get so, they get their undies so knotted up over this, you know, if they're Calvinists, so knotted up of this salvation for all, right, that they they freak out and they think someone's going to get to heaven that doesn't belong there. Hey, hey, Einstein, no one's going to get to heaven that doesn't belong there, right? Because how do we get to heaven? It's by, it's by grace, right? So no one's going to get there that doesn't belong there. Notice what it says. Salvation for all, not salvation of all. This is not universalism. We've got to be careful that we don't go the other extreme either, that we don't say, oh, Jesus came, he died, and and his life is, his grace is, is given to all, and all are going to be saved, so it doesn't matter what you believe. No, that's not what Scripture teaches either. You see, Scripture teaches that Jesus Christ's sacrifice on the cross was sufficient for all, but it's effective only for those who put their trust in Jesus Christ alone. So there's still our responsibility that we have to respond to God's grace. We have to respond, and so we have got to be careful as we think about this. As we go on, uh, we have to read Scripture from, from cover to cover, and, and it becomes abundantly clear um, what grace is is saving us from. Salvation from what? Salvation from what? Um, salvation is not it, it, it's not saving us from bad marriages. It's not saving us um, from bad jobs or, or from poverty. God's grace does not save us from, from wild teenagers. God's grace does not save us from sickness or from, our, from failing health. God's grace, as you read scripture cover to cover, God's grace, his son Jesus Christ, his sacrifice was to save us from our sins to save us from our sins, to rescue us. Because here's the reality. Uh, Every single one of us, apart from the grace of God, was destined for hell. But the grace of God appeared in human form. His name was Jesus Christ. And he said, I will pay the penalty. I will give them grace, something they don't deserve, so that God the Father could spend all eternity with his creation for all those who choose to put their trust in him. It's by grace. It's by grace. Um, I love what D.L. Moody says. How many of you guys like D.L. Moody? Oh, good. I'm glad he's not alive to see that. Um, uh, I love D.L. Moody, and, and I love what he says. He says, the law tells me how crooked I am. The law tells me how crooked I am, but grace comes along and straightens me out. Grace comes along and straightens me out. And And that's exactly what Jesus Christ does. He he saves us. He rescues us so that we we could come into relationship with God, our Father. And there are people in your life this week who need to be rescued. They need to hear about the grace of God who came in Jesus Christ. And and when you share the gospel with them, guess what? You, You get to be grace to them. You get to be grace to them. Um, grace doesn't offer us a free pass to sin. Paul, Romans 6, chapter 1, probably my, one of my absolute favorite chapters in all of scripture. Romans chapter 6, he says, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. By no means. Heck no, is what he says. No, we don't sin more that we get more grace. Um, grace is not, a, not the freedom to sin, it's the freedom from sin. It's the freedom from sin. God, God intends for you to be uh, a reflection of the reality that you are saved and that when he looks at you, he sees you as righteous as his son, Jesus Christ, and he are, intends for our lives to be a reflection of that. It's not freedom to sin. It's the freedom from sin. That's why Paul, um, Paul has a Popeye statement, right? Did you realize that, that Popeye, uh, he, he ripped off the apostle Paul? Right And here this week, you thought Melania Trump was the first person to ever plagiarize. Uh, no, no. Uh, 1 Corinthians 10.15. 1 Corinthians 10.15, Paul says, I am what I am. I am what I am, but by God's grace. But for the grace of God, I am what I am. And Paul says, look, I, I'm a sinner, but by the grace of God. Think about, think about who Paul was before he came to know Christ. Imagine if I were to bring someone out on stage this morning, and, and I said, hey, um, this is Joey. Uh, Joey is from ISIS, and he's given his life to Christ, and, and just last week he was, um, he was decapitating Christians, but now he's a believer, and he wants you to come to his house after, lunch, after church today. How many of you are going? Right? That kind of puts it in the context. This is, this is Paul, who was murdering Christians. He was giving approval And he he stands up in in church one day. He shows up to your church and he says, hey, I'm here. I've given my life to Christ. Um, I'd love to to be your pastor. I'd love to teach you. Who wants to come with me to plant churches? Uh, And and that kind of gives us the context of what it was like. And Paul says, look, there is no reason for any Christian ever to pay attention to what I have to say because of my past. But by the grace of God, I have this wonderful ministry where I get to see men, women, and children putting their trust in Jesus Christ and seeing their lives changed. Many of us here may feel like, how could God ever use someone like me? Pastor, you don't know the things that I've done. Um, You don't know the things that I've thought. You don't know the places I've been. You don't know the stuff that happened to me. There's no way God could ever use me. Um, But for the grace of God. But for the grace of God. I am what I am. Paul says, my past is taken care of. and and I'm a new creation in Jesus Christ, and he's using me by his grace, by his grace, um, by his grace. The first thing grace does is that it rescues. Let's look on in verse 12, and we're going to see the second thing that grace does is that it renounces, it renounces, verse 12, instructing us, grace instructs us to what? Deny godlessness and worldly lust, and to live in sensible, righteous, and a godly way when? In the present age, in the present age, God's desire is that that you right now would live a godly life. And and notice what it says. It says that we would deny, that we would renounce, that we would renounce godlessness, that we would renounce sin in our lives so that we could be what? So that we could be righteous. Righteous. Everybody say righteous. righteous. That we would be righteous. That word righteous means upright, not uptight. Okay, Let me tell you right now, some of you up here are wound so tight. You're like a cheap Chinese watch, and you're wound so tight, and we can't do this, and we can't do that, and we've got to do this, and we've got to do that. That's not what the grace of God is, and we need to relax. We need to enjoy God's grace. Um, righteousness are the things that God has declared to be right, and so we pursue those things. And what does grace do? It teaches us to renounce, to deny ungodliness, and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. Not in heaven, but now. Right now. Right now. Uh, when and where do we live out our grace? It's not when we get to heaven. It's, it's today. It's today. We get to live out our grace. And, and let me tell you, God is just as concerned um, with what you do on, on Wednesday morning And on Saturday night, as he is with with where you are and what you're doing right now. And his desire is not that we would just live out grace on Sunday morning, but that we would live it out throughout the week. The second thing we see is that that God's grace trains us. It trains us. It says he's instructing us. That word instructing means that he's he's training. Uh, It's like riding a bicycle. When you teach your kids to ride a bicycle, what do you put on there? Training wheels, not this, Dad. I'm like, hey, you've got to figure it out on your own. Come on, let's do it. Um, Maybe that's why my kids can't ride a bike yet. But uh, we have training wheels, and it trains us. God's grace trains us to be righteous. What does it train us to do? It trains us to renounce sin. It trains us to say no. It trains us to say no. Um, Some, as I mentioned earlier, some of you are walking along the edge of the Grand Canyon, and what you need is you need God's grace to enter into your life and to help you say no. We often pray for strength, and and I would say rather than, than simply praying for strength, we need to pray for the grace of God to overwhelm us, that we would be pulled back from that ledge, now let me say this, this is, this is one of the graces of God that is not, not part of the common grace that we all get to experience. Um, we know from Scripture the, sun, the, the rain falls on the righteous and the unrighteous, unless you're in Texas in July, and then the rain falls on no one. Um, but we, we all have this common grace, we get to experience the sunrise and the sunset and the cool breeze. Everyone gets to experience that part of God's grace. But, but there's this part of God's grace that only those who have put their trust in Jesus Christ get to experience. And that is that, that we no longer have to say yes to sin. We get to say no to sin. And we, we look, and let me, let me make this clear. This is for those who have put their trust in Christ. This isn't something that non-Christians have. And so, Christians, let, let me tell you, stop being frustrated when the non-Christians around you act like non-Christians, when they're walking along the edge of the Grand Canyon and they fall in and they climb back out and then they fall in and they climb back out and they fall back in, and you're like, why do you keep falling in? It's because 2 Corinthians 4.4 tells us that they're blind. They don't see. They don't have God's grace to enter in their life yet to help them say no. What they're in need of is they're in need, first of all, of God's grace to come alongside and rescue them through the power of Jesus Christ. And so we shouldn't be frustrated when non-Christians act like non-Christians because they're simply being true to their nature. They're not hypocrites. They're just being true to their nature. And what they need is for someone to be grace for them, to enter in their life and share the gospel with them. Um, let's, let's look at, at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Um, I want us to, to jump into this. Paul, Paul says... Um, you know, de- deny the, uh, the godliness and worldly lusts. What are the worldly lusts? First John tells us, Uncle John, he says, uh, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. What is, the lust of the, what is the lust of the flesh? The things that make me feel good. What's the lust of the eyes? The things that make me look good. And what's the boastful, boastful pride of life? Um, my desire for everyone in this room to know that I am good. And, and Paul says, we've got to deny that. We've got to walk away from that. We've got to rely on God's empowering presence by his grace to say no. That God, God saves us to sanctify us. God saves us to sanctify us. God does not waste his justification. God does not save you without a plan to also justify you. So many times people say, well, you know what? I've got my fire insurance. I put my trust in Jesus. Uh, uh, I've got my get out of hell free card. And now I can live however I want, and that's just not reality. God has saved you to also sanctify you, to set you apart, to make you more like the image of his son, Jesus Christ. Let's look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 12, as soon as I get there. Romans 6, verse 12, he says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that so that you obey its desires and do not offer any parts of of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourself to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law, but under what? Grace. 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 God's grace gives us the the ability to say no. No. It doesn't mean that we will stop sinning. It doesn't mean that we will never sin again. It simply means that we don't have to. Amen? Isn't that good news? Isn't that great news this morning? Third thing, the third thing that, that God's grace does is that it rescues us. Verse 13. Verse 13, Paul says, while we wait, while we wait for the blessed hope and appearing, there's that word again, of the glory of our of our great, of our great, everyone say great. 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 Wouldn't it be great if we always talked about God like this? Um, uh, what's your God's like? Uh, he's average. Um, no, no, our God is great. We have a great God. Uh, he says, of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here's the reality. He, he uses that word appearing again, the epiphany. Um, There's already been one epiphany, the appearing of Jesus Christ, God Nabod, the babe of Bethlehem that came 2,000 years ago and walked the earth, and and after he died, he ascended into heaven, and we know that we're kind of sandwiched in between uh, the time that he's come and the time that he's coming back, and that someday we know that the trumpets will sound, the clouds will split open, and the King of kings and the Lord of lords will descend, and he will call us to be with him, amen? Amen like my Baptist is showing again, all right? Uh, that is great news that God is calling us. God is wanting us to come and be with him again. And we're just in this time that we are, we are waiting. That word waiting that he uses there is the present. While we wait, that's the present tense, that, that we are to be waiting every single day. How many of you, uh, growing up, my family could get out of the door Monday through Friday by 7 a.m., no problem. Sunday morning, it was like Satan sent his little demons to our house, and we were struggling to get out the door by 9.30 in the morning, right? Uh, my mom did not like to be be late, and uh, she, she was actually the one that didn't like to be late, so she would be out in the little 1990 maroon Ford Taurus, uh, honking that horn. <coughs> <coughs> come on. <coughs> we're running late. <coughs> John, come on. <coughs> and, and finally, we'd all come because we're like, all right, mom's going to get arrested for deserving the peace. So we'd go outside, and we'd get in the car, and we'd go. Well, when Amanda and I first got married... I was working at a church up in Colleen, and uh, we were running a little bit late. So I'm sitting there in my car, and what do I do? I follow I'm, uh, uh, I only did that once. Uh, so we need to live every single day with that kind of impatientness, uh, that kind of eagerness and anticipation for the appearing of Jesus Christ. And we need to be honking that horn saying, uh, uh, come Lord Jesus, uh, come on Jesus, um, Single, single guys, I remember before I was single, it was like, uh, uh, um, God, don't let Jesus come before I get married, please. Um, uh, please don't let Jesus, don't let him come before I get married. And, and then you get married. Um, I didn't mean anything by that, but, but you get married, and, and you live a little bit longer, and you start to see the effects of sin on the people in your life, and you feel the effects of sin on your own life, and you see how, how, how your sin affects someone else. And let me tell you, there's, there's not a day that goes by where, where I think, you know what, God, just, just let Jesus come back today. I'm so tired of fighting this battle. Just come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. It, it refocuses us. It helps us to understand that, um, that, that there is something else coming. There is something else, a better life. That we have the hope of eternity. We have the hope of heaven. We have the hope of heaven. The last thing, the last thing that grace does, grace redeems us. Grace redeems us. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. He gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to cleanse for himself a people for his own possession, eager to do good works. Jesus redeems us. Um, Jesus is the embodiment of God's grace and he has redeemed us. Um, Let's read that again. Uh, he gave himself for who? Gave himself for who? For us. No, that's too broad. Put your name in there. He gave himself for Charlie. He gave himself for Chuck. Gave himself for John Rondeau. He gave himself for Lucy Olson. Uh, you see, here's the reality. If, if Jesus were here standing here with me this morning and he were introducing me, he'd put his arm around me and he'd say, I just, I just want you all here to know that Chuck is mine. If you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, you can have the insur- assurance of knowing that if Jesus Christ were introducing you, he would say, um, I want to introduce you to mine. He is mine. She is mine. Belongs to me. Because you see, every single one of us has a price tag that dangles around our neck. And on that price tag, it reads, One Jesus Christ. And God the Father picked up that price tag. He looked at it and he read it and said, He's worth it. She's worth it. I will pay that price. I will redeem them because this one is mine. This one is mine. The grace of God, it rescues us. It helps us to renounce sin. Uh, It refocuses us and it redeems us. Uh, At the very end, there he says the reason that he's redeemed us is so that we would be eager. The word eager, zealous, it means to burn white hot, to be on fire for what? For good works. For good works. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved for good works. God's desire is for us to to go out and and do the good works that he's called us to. What does grace do? It rescues, it renounces, it refocuses, it redeems. Um, Grace is Shamu-sized. We cannot get our arms around it in one Sunday morning. But just like Shamu, grace um, grace is meant to be shared. Just like Shamu, grace is meant to be put on display. I want to ask you a question this morning as we as we close. And I want you all to think. Think, think about this. Think of, think of one person when I ask this question. Who in your life needs God's grace? I imagine almost every single person in this room had someone's name pop into their head. And my encouragement to you this week is that whoever that person is, whatever name just popped into your head that needs God's grace, that you would make every effort this week to share the life-changing reality of Jesus Christ with them, that you would share God's grace with them, that you would be eager to do the good works that God has called you to by sharing God's grace with them. Um, We've come to a time in our sermon, in in our message that we call Take Two, You open up your bulletin, you look there, you see there's a spot that says take two. And this is where we want you to write down what God is saying to you this morning. We're going to give you a couple minutes. What is God saying to you this morning? If you're here this morning and you say, you know what, uh, you're talking about how grace uh, rescues, it redeems, and and I've never done that. I've never experienced that in my life. Um, I want to encourage you that, that this morning would be the morning that you would put your trust in Jesus Christ and say, you know what, I want to be rescued. I want to be redeemed. I'm tired of falling in the Grand Canyon. I want the ability uh, to say no to sin because I know that Jesus Christ has already paid the penalty for my sin. If if that's what God's calling you to, write that down this morning. Um, If you're here and you've already put your trust in Jesus Christ, I'd encourage you right now during these two minutes, start praying for that name that just popped in your head. Write down their name. Put it on paper so that you can look at it through the week. And then right below that where it says, I will, write down what steps you're going to take this week to share the gospel with that person. Let's take two.